want to give God a big shout of praise. I reckon there's something good here for us today. You believe it? There's something good. Let's just do it. So on the count of three, we're going to do a big Jericho yell. I want you to try. I want you to try and imagine you're yelling so loud that you're yelling out the wall in your neighbor. <laughs> Even your neighbor, all right? So on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus! Jesus! Oh, that was good. I your neighbor looks a bit frightened. <laughs> I didn't know you had that in you. Uh, that's good. Grab a seat. Thanks, church. I'm going to go for a quick win. I'm going to go for a quick win here today to tell you that um, uh, on this week, just gone Thursday night, I think it was, already forgetting, uh, I celebrated an important time for my family and for my marriage. We supported our 15-year anniversary. Yes. I love preaching when you have something exciting that you can clap to at the start. That's always good. It's a quick win. I married my um, I married my best friend, and we were kind of you know, I don't know. Like our marriage never gets old for us. We were, I guess, we were kind of shocked that as we were sitting there, we just went out to dinner and we're just talking with each other, and we we were kind of shocked. We we're like, we still enjoy each other's company. <laughs> And I don't think, you know, some people worry that when their kids get older and stuff, they're not going to have anything in common and they're going to fall away. I don't think we've got that to worry about. So the good news, good news for you, church, is that, you know, your pastors are still in love with each other. Isn't that nice? That's kind of nice. That's a bit, that's a bit cute to get started with. Yeah, so I married my best friend. See, I, I, and the, the sermon's got nothing to do with this, so let's just get into it anyway. I, I love the word, I love this word best, though. I've been thinking a lot about this word best. I shared a bit on prayer meeting on Wednesday. And um, as I thought about this word best as well, I was thinking about how it gets used in contemporary society today. It gets used on Instagram. One of the big hashtags on, on Instagram is living my hashtag best life. Don't know if you've heard that. Or being my hashtag best self. This is where the best comes in. Here's a couple of other common best phrases. To do your best. Best of luck. And this is a personal favorite of mine. All the best. <laughs> what is it, what's that mean? What's all the best actually mean? Um, I can, I've trained enough interns at my work to tell you this. That when, when someone tells you do your best... What, what they're actually saying is that you're probably not very good at what you're about to do. <laughs> you know, they just, say, they just say, just do your best. And it's like, yeah, it's anyway. Do not be fooled by false advertising. Best and less, no such thing. No such thing. You can have best or you can have less, but you cannot have both all at once. There you go. I've, I've removed the veil of the advertising. So which one do you want then? So if you want the best, then you have to give your best. Our spiritual forefather, Abel, second generation of mankind being here on this planet, had this great idea of giving God a gift both brothers had the same idea at once, but Abel stood out amongst the brothers because he decided that he was going to give God his very best. And God chose that offering because Abel gave his very best. There's something in giving your best. So what is your best? 
what is your best feature? I think that one's easier because I imagine when I wrote that, I imagined kind of, you know, getting a photo and you kind of learn to turn your face away from whatever it is you don't like, you know. We, we, quite often we know our best features. Some of you love your eyes or, you know, we've all got good features. What is, what is the thing that you are best at doing? And when in your life have you been at your very best? Last question, how do you give Jesus your best? Today's sermon, titled Best, it's going to be focusing on building strength as we serve corporately together as City Church MacArthur. This sermon is part of our values series where we've been unpacking City Church values as they are embedded within our discipleship pathway, believe, connect, serve, multiply. And this value series is intended to increase our clarity on the vision of this place that we call our church. It's intended to increase our unity as we work together as a team. And also it's to keep speaking God's goodness into the, the very foundation and the underpinning of our hearts and thoughts. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for values, Father. <clears throat> we were singing it before, Lord. We have no value that isn't youth, God. Lord, as we, as City Church, Father, as we walk in our calling, Father, and as we walk together as a church, Father, I pray that you would help us understand what you've called us to, God. Help us to submit, Father, as well to the leadership and authority you have put in our lives, Father. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you for that, God. We thank you that your rod and your staff comfort us, Father. Because not only do they hold us in line, Father, but it protects us in this world, Father, where so much is, comes against us, Lord. Lord, bless this time as we consider your word today, Father. Help it to shape us, Father. Amen. So the last two years, we've seen increases in isolation. We've seen increases in exhaustion. We've seen increases in sickness. And likewise, many pastors have noted that there's been decreases in serving teams. And there's been decreases in attendance and in motivation. One of the things that makes that particularly challenging right now is that with COVID, you never know who and when those people are going to get it. So could have been that I woke up this morning, felt sick, took a test, and then suddenly get COVID, you know, I had to go into isolation. That wasn't the case, by the way. But for Chris and Renee, it was. And so we're having to do things very flexibly. But also, we're kind of being pushed to the limits of our teams. We're kind of having to think about how as a team we can continue to carry the church even through difficult seasons. Does that make sense? Awesome. See, I'll tell you this. This is going to be hard for you to believe, church. I don't go to the gym. <laughs> I know, it's very hard to believe. If, if I started going to the gym right now, I reckon that I probably couldn't lift very much. And I, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, if I was trying to do what they call a deadlift, I think that might actually be more like a death sentence for me in my current physical state. You know, you might have to carry me out of the place. 
But even I understand this, that if you don't use muscles, they go away. It seems clear to me right now in the season that the world is in and that the church is in, that we're entering into end times. Does it not seem clear? I guess what concerns me is that like with the way that everything's going and with isolation and with dips in church attendance and things like that, what I'm nervous about is that we're losing capacity and losing muscles when actually that there's a rising need and a rising harvest all around us and concerns all around us. And to be losing capacity, to be losing muscles when there's heavier lifting to be done, that's a little bit concerning, right? I'm worried. I'm worried about that. And so I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. That's what we're doing. Yes, the earth is groaning as I see it. Disease, natural disasters, wars, confusion. I just, I can't, to be honest, I can't see it stopping. So I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want you to dismay though, because we're building our muscles, all right? Brothers and sisters, we, the church, We can't afford to decrease our capacity. We actually need to be, and this is a city church value, we actually need to be building strength. Building strength, building muscles. Now go with me here. What would you do if you woke up one day and unbeknownst to you, someone had moved into your house and they refused to talk to you, refused to cook, refused to clean, refused to pay rent, and then criticized what you did. What would you do? Sounds like a teenager as I wrote that. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you have to be careful here. Some people still have teenagers. <laughs> if it wasn't, if it was not my teenager, I'd tell you, I'd probably get them evicted. I'd probably kick them with the small muscles I have. I'd kick them out, you know. And if it was, if it was my teenager, my child, then even still, I'd probably have to discipline them a lot, right? have to teach them how to live, that you can't just do that. Now, the challenge here, right, because we're talking about the church, the challenge here is that sometimes we do see this kind of behavior within a church house. That the things we wouldn't accept in our homes, within a spiritual environment, sometimes we can accept, you know. People get easily offended if you talk about things like tithe or easily offended if you talk about things like actually making sure that the church is clean on a Sunday or that there's people to do the stuff. It's no offense intended. It's just practicality. It's the same practicality as tonight you're going to have to feed your body. There's certain requirements you've got. You're going to have to clean your house. If we don't do dishes for one day, you better believe that every single dish is there waiting for us to do it when we decide it's time. These are things you've just got to do. God takes it very personally. He takes his house and the organization of his house and the, the taking care of his house very personally. In Malachi 3, eight. It actually says God goes so far as to even curse those that rob his house. It uses the word curse. It says, why are you robbing God? It's talking there about tithe and this principle of tithe, giving God. We spoke about Abel, about giving him our best, giving him an offering. When we tithe, we tithe in every sphere of our life. 
It's not just a money thing. It's a serving thing. It's a heart posture. We tithe. When we talk and fellowship with one another, when we listen to the sermon, when we do all of these things in your heart and in your head, remember, this is a tithe. This is direct to God. This Forget me. Like, forget any of one that's in the way. It's between heart to heart, you to God. We are here all for His name. That's it. Anything else is vanity. Anything else doesn't matter. We are here first and foremost for God. And then God inspires us, encourages us to serve one another, to encourage one another, to give into this place, to build vision in this place, to serve in this place. God, in Malachi 3, 8, I want you, if you don't believe me, look it up. God goes so far as to curse those that rob him by refusing to tithe. Here's the meaning of my name, and here's something that we need to keep building in the contemporary church to fear God. Fear God. God is so big. You know, when an ant sees me, I hope it fears me because I could step on it. <laughs> you know, it should get out. It should be safe around me. You know, we should, we should fear God. He is a big God. God at times in the Bible, has caused the ground to swallow people. He has stopped people's hearts in their chests. He has rained down from heaven giant hailstones the size of people's heads. God is a fearful and wonderful God. It's amazing. He's amazing. And the best part of it is, is that when He loves you and that casts out all that fear, but we need to make sure that it's still there. I still, I don't want my children to be walking all over me as well. For as much as I love them, for as much as to know I'm safe, I also want them to feel safe in the protection I can give them, in the strength I can give to my home. It's that twofold. Proverbs 19.23 says this, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life. I'm actually choosing to read this in King James, which I don't normally do because it sounds so rude. It sounds very... Um, very beautiful. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. See, it provides. They will abide satisfied, and they shall not be visited with evil. We tithe in our finance, in our time, in our service, in our care, in our prayer. Not just one of those things, all of those things in every sphere. Now, one of the big things that's happening in this church right now is that we're wanting to increase. We're wanting to either move up or move out. You know, I don't know if you saw how many kids there are next door right now, but it is chockers in there. It is overflowing in there, which I love. I love that. And I want to give space to that. In order to achieve that, we're going to need to make some structural changes. A building can't get bigger a building can't get bigger unless you've got the supports for a new ceiling or new walls. Actually, when we go up, there's going to be columns. There'll be four columns in this place, right in the middle of the floor there. And we need those things to take the weight. That was the exact predicament of the church in 2 Kings 6. I've spoke on this before. The church was eager to grow. And so each member of the church, they took an axe and they cut down a tree and they literally carried it to be the supporting columns and beams for that burgeoning church. 
I love that symbol of them carrying their wood because in that I see Jesus, you know, the carrying of the cross, the carrying of the burden to become the walls of the church like is written in Revelations 21, to stand in the gap for the church like is written in Ezekiel 22. So I'll say this again, a building cannot get bigger until we establish more supporting columns and more beams to take the weight. So what am I talking about here? Why am I talking about building? I'm not talking in the flesh. I'm talking in the spirit. Our church cannot advance and increase until more of us take more of the weight. Does that make sense? That is to say, to increase our support, increase our responsibility, to begin serving, to become accountable. These are always hard sermons to preach because... I don't know, if I was you or if I was maybe at an earlier stage in my mind, I might be doing the math calculations. How much time have I got left to give? (laughs) I might be just doing the math. That's been me before. It's hard though too though because, you know, for years and years we pray to see, we say, send them in, Lord. We say, let our church be a lighthouse, Lord. Bring the lost in. Let us do the work. You know, the, the work starts by making sure we've got enough support and enough space to do the work. Does that make sense? We become hypocritical if we pray the prayer and we say those words and yet in our heart of hearts we truly don't want the labor. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself here. I'm speaking, I'm challenging my own hypocrisy here. It's, it's more work and there's already plenty of work. I know, we've all got that. But <laughs> this is what we were created for. Dare we ignore the call? We wouldn't be being, there'd be no purpose to being here. There'd be no purpose to calling ourselves the church if we're not going to do what the church does. Amen? These are the principles that we live by. And so I think, yes. And so I want to say... That as your pastor, I feel that within this church that we are actually exceptional at believing in God. We're quite good at connecting with one another. We enjoy each other's company. That's why after church, fellowship, people always comment. The fellowship in this place, the family atmosphere in this place is great. People genuinely love each other. People genuinely love God. You know, as I was writing this, you know... And I was kind of having those cliche thoughts of Mary Martha kind of stuff come through my head when it comes to serving. And I was thinking, you know what? Within this church, I do see the heart of Mary that wants to pour out her very best on the feet of Jesus. I see that heart. But I, where, where I think there is room to grow for, for us is within, is within the fields of serving and within the fields of multiplication. I know we're eager to demonstrate our love for Jesus, to see him glorified, to see his kingdom come. I think a big part of achieving those goals is actually to learn to function well as a team. To work together, to increase accountability. And that word's going to be a big one for this. Now, I wanted to discuss a couple of blocks that can get in the way when it comes to serving. They definitely have for me. Maybe some of them will resonate with you. Okay. Here's one, busyness. We've spoke about this before. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say the block and then I'm going to say like that little voice of condemnation or that, that will speak into your life around it. So busyness. But when you're too busy for the church, this is what it's, what's actually being said. Church isn't important. If you're too busy to do anything for the church, what's actually under the surface of that is that church isn't that important. Maybe it's negativity that can get in the way. Negativity, the voice of negativity would say, I'm not needed, and even if I did anything, it wouldn't make a difference. That's what that voice will say. Offense will say, I don't like so-and-so. I could never work under so-and-so, with so-and-so. Shame and doubt will say to you, I'm not good enough to do that. I'm not ready to serve yet, God. I've just got to deal with a couple of stuff in my life, and then I'm good. You know, i just got to become a perfect person, a bit more Christ-like, and then I'll do the work. Or the voice of pride, which goes the other way, and it says, oh, I'm too good to do that. <laughs> in my job, I get paid 100 bucks an hour. They, these people can't afford me. I'm too good to be scrubbing toilets, man. Or maybe it's pride, I don't agree with the vision. If only that was me, my vision would be much better than that. We should be doing this. We should be doing that. Or maybe it's hurt. I tried that before. I tried serving before, and I got hurt. Didn't go right. I want to tell you the good news. See, I, I was, as I was writing this, I was thinking about this word block. <laughs> I love words. <laughs> I was thinking about this word block because I actually think as these blocks to serving, as you overcome them, as you build over them, they're actually the building blocks. I want you to shift it in your mind. These things that would get in the way actually become what we build strength. As we overcome, what was the block becomes the building block to progress the church, to move it forward. These things won't go away, but the way that we work with them the way we build over them, that's what we need. We don't let them stop us. We work with it. We do the work of the church through these things. Overcoming blocks is how we build God's kingdom. Our love for Jesus and grace for one another, it overcomes all. Has to. That's the miracle. That's the gospel. That's the good news. It overcomes all. Okay, now I want to start getting stuck into some of the actual values themselves. So we've talked about building strength, that as we work as a team, we're actually stronger together. As we build these teams of the church, the different facets of the church, we're actually getting muscles to be able to lift more, to do more. Now, followers of Jesus of the church, in the original Greek, I'm going to go fast here because I reckon you know it. The original Greek was ecclesia, which meant simply church, to gather. Actually means just coming together. Anytime you gather with other believers, it's a kind of church when you get together with other believers. See, you are the church. But when you're called to a specific church and to come under the authority of a church's vision, discipleship, and values, that's what the movement that we are part of, INC, that's what it calls corporate church. You might have heard that word. It's when you come under the authority of a church. 
When City Church talks in their discipleship pathway about serving, we're talking about corporate serving under the authority and accountability of City Church. Now, being the church is both an individual thing and a collective thing. You are the church. I am the church. We are the church. It's kind of personal and it's collective. Likewise, your individual growth is connected to collective growth. So this is exactly what we were talking about, that as you personally grow, as you increase your influence, as you grow in your skills and in your serving, the church grows with you. It just naturally happens. You are the church. If you grow, the church grows. So we need to deepen our stakes, deepen our care. When speaking on the subject of serving, Pastor Jason Smith often encourages each of us to have a primary and a secondary ministry. Your primary ministry is the area that you are gifted in and most likely enjoy. Your secondary ministry is an area where you can clearly see there is a need and so you do it faithfully out of love for God just to serve that need. As Pastor Jason often says as well, you know, not many people don't feel it is their life calling to jump behind a vacuum cleaner or a broom and clean the church. But we all know that that need is there. And I love, within this church, I love that when people are here before the church starts, you know, people that aren't on the roster at all, they all just jump on because they see the need and they do it. And I love that. And then what I love as well is when we formalize that process. And, that per, and it becomes, okay, you can jump on the roster and then if you could commit to being there regularly to do that, and then it doesn't have to be something that's kind of spontaneous, although like I said, I love that heart, but it can be something where we're actually accountable. And there's that word again, accountable. The wages for our service are very generous indeed. The wages for our service for the church, for Jesus is life, it is blessing, it is an increase in your gifting and in your spiritual fruit. It is to get to work alongside Jesus. And if that isn't enough, you also get rewards stored up in heaven. It's actually a lot of payment when it comes to serving God. It's a lot of payment. I often think, you know, sometimes on my darker days when I'm like feeling a bit burnt out, I often think, you know, when we're serving God, I look around and the qualities and the testimonies I hear from people, they encourage me. I actually think just to be around and be inspired and to hear those things and be sitting at the same table as these people, that is, that, I feel like that's so great. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be at another table, if that makes sense to you. I value, back to values, I value those testimonies. I value their values. All right, next point. Are you all right? A bit quiet. Are you tired or? It's all right, a little bit tired. Next point, working together, supporting others in the church and in the community. I've said this point before and it still surprises me. Two horses cannot pull twice as much as one because they can pull three times as much as one, <laughs> which I still find remarkable. Two horses pulls three times as much as just one by itself. 24,000 pounds they can pull together. I think 
for me and for all of us, I think we need to fight this tendency to say, oh, it's just easier to, to lift it myself, to do it myself. Be harder to ask someone else, just do it myself, right? We've all, we've all had that feeling before. But that's actually a short-sighted and it's a band-aid solution and it bottlenecks growth. Because if you're always just saying, oh, I'll just do it myself. When you're not there, no one else is going to see it. No one else is going to do it, right? So what is a better system is actually teamwork. It's got more vision. It's got more future focus. It's got more blessing to the generations is actually when we when we let someone get their reward in heaven too. Has anyone heard that, that Christianese phrase, you know, don't steal my reward in heaven, you know? It's when you shout the bill, you got to say that. And they're like, no, no, let me pay, let me pay. Don't steal my reward in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we have to fight the tendency to say, it's easier to do it myself. If Jesus had that approach, he never would have created man in the first place definitely wouldn't have discipled them. It was easier for Jesus to do it himself. He was already perfect. The work was done. <laughs> the work was done. Now it's fixing a broken world. That's the work. That's the work we're doing. One of the hardest parts about working together is actually learning to submit to authority and make yourself accountable. I believe that's why a lot of people struggle with serving. The work you do is not a measure of how great you, you are at doing a thing or even, you know, how holy you are. Not at all. We're not the location pastors here because we're holier than anyone. <laughs> God knows that. We're simply called to a role. It's just roles. You know what I mean? Called to serve in an area. We're called to come under the authority of the team leader that's called to be in that role. Maybe that's you. I can't overstate the importance of accountability to spiritual health and in serving. Accountability is a mandatory requirement in corporate serving. The early church, when you read in Acts, the early church, it's so exciting. They shared everything. Every day they were together. It was one heart, one mind. They were so effective. They were growing daily. Until... Acts chapter 6, when it was discovered that some of the widows in the church were being neglected. And so, as a result, they actually had to put in place in the church overseers of the areas. They had to make someone accountable so that people weren't neglected. Now, let me say here, you know, I think this is a good time to say, if that's you in this church, if you've felt neglected, then I am sorry. On behalf of the whole church, I am sorry. And I think that within this church, people have, people have been neglected. I think so. And I think we need more laborers. That's what I think we actually need. I think that Acts 6, when I was reading it, I was like, that's what we need. We actually need to be putting some people in place that can assist with the work to be done. As a location pastor, I am accountable to Jason, who is accountable to Pastor Ross. All of us are accountable to Jesus. We all know that one. If you're not reporting to a team leader, 
If you're not accountable to someone, if you're not reporting to a team leader, chances are that you're not serving in a corporate way, which we do need people serving in a corporate way. Currently, the team leaders within our church, I just want to say this stuff so it's super clear. I'm after clarity. That's, I'm after transparency. I'm after clarity. Currently, the team leaders within our church are Chris is the worship leader, Renee is the team leader for the media desk, and Kalina is the team leader of the cafe. Those are the team leaders we currently have. I would love to see these future team leaders. I'd love to see a kids' church leader, a deacon leader, and an outreach leader, because I know that these are key areas on the hearts of our church, and I would like to see people rising up into those areas. I'd love to see vision. I'd love to see... I would love to see that. <laughs> Let me say more to it. Okay. When it comes to leaders, we're after Mary's, not Martha's. And by this, I mean that we serve from a love for Jesus rather than serving out of, serving out of a bitterness and pride. That we're serving from a want to serve and not just a need. You know, when we say, I can see the need and I had to fill it, that's great. But what that means is that instead of being a leader, instead of having a vision, instead of kind of going above and dreaming and praying and all of those things, you're kind of just babysitting it. And that's all right, but it's not really the growth that we're looking for. We need vision to be infusing these areas. The kinds of leaders we're after are accountable, they're humble, they're gracious, and they're frequent communicators. The leaders we are after, they know their calling, they have a vision and a desire to build and equip others, their teams. Build and equip their teams. Now, we, Jason often says this too, we know everyone's not called to be a team leader in a corporate church setting, but we do believe and we do know all, each and every one of us is called to serve as a church and within accountability, each and every one of us. And that's regardless of our age or our, even our ability. Which leads me as a segue to our third and final point here, learning constantly and developing skills and abilities. Never say never. God wants us to be lifelong, lifelong learners. And if you don't believe me, remember Sarah from the Bible who at 89 years old laughed at God, telling her that she was about to have a baby. But guess what? At 90 years old, Sarah was learning to be a first-time mum, 90 years old. So never say never, people. Careful, don't, don't laugh at that one because God might hear you, you know. God hears it and it's a challenge for him then. Never say never. You're not too old to learn media desk. You're not too old to learn the cafe. You're not too old to learn kids. I'd love to see some elders in the kids' room. Kids have a special relationship with their elders. My dad was up on Friday, and, and when my dad sings to them and tells them the Bible, it solidifies it in a way that a young person can't do. That's a life lived in the Word solidified. We need the spiritual grandparents in the place as well. Be confident in your calling, but humble in your gifting. 
Establish a healthy balance between these two reflections. What did I do well and how can I improve? The benchmark is Jesus. No pressure. (laughs) All right. One last tricky word and then I'm going to wrap it up, all right? Matthew 11, 12. I actually really like this verse. The kingdom of God advances forcefully. I love that word because I feel like as Christians, you know, we so often apologize and we're so often very friendly people. The kingdom of God advances forcefully. Forceful men lay a hold of it. As Mordecai, Mordecai, the uncle, warns his niece Esther in Esther 4.14, he says, If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. That's always a challenge for me. I'm like, if I don't do the work I am called to, you know, God, God does not need Timothy George. God does not need any of us. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. And to me, that is so much more special. God wants you. God wants to work with you. He wants to give you everything you need to make that possible. It's beautiful. Here's what he said to Gideon, who was doubting his ability. He said, rise up, you mighty one of valor. Get you to rise to your feet. Rise up in that word, church. Right now, let's do it. Rise up, you mighty people of valor. You men and women of valor, rise up. God has chosen you for this exact thing. See, the last and really interesting thing about the word best is it's a contronym. I told you I love words. This is one of my favorite things. When a single word has two opposing definitions to one another. (laughs) Best not only means the highest standard, but it also means to outwit. And I believe that when we give Jesus our best, that we actually best the enemy. There you go. Bit confusing. We win over the enemy when we give Jesus what he already owns, what he, what he deserves and more, our very best. We can say that Jesus, we say that Jesus is our bestie. We say he's the most important, but we have to ask ourselves this. Can we say that we're giving Jesus our very best? When we get to heaven, and I know I'm going to be seeing you all there, when we get there, can we just say that? Can we, if we can just say that, then we can be happy. <laughs> we can say we ran the good race. We fought the good fight. We can say, you know what? I'm not, I was never perfect, but I gave Jesus my very best. I want to be able to say that. I want each of us to be able to say that. So what steps, if you're actually rubber to the road, and this sermon's very much been all about rubber to the road, if you're actually thinking right now, what would that look like? What practical steps do you need to take? And I'll get you to close your eyes. What practical steps do you need to put in place to be more effective in your ministry to ensure, yes, that you can say that you gave your very best. Now, now's the time I'm going to open up for hands. I spoke before about the blocks that get in the way. I just want to give an opportunity. 
If any of those resonated with you, I just want to give you the opportunity with every eye closed for you just to be able to say to Jesus that you want him to work through that, to help you move past that. Now's the chance. So if that's you, if there's some blocks getting in the way of serving, that's okay. We've all had seasons of that. But if that's you right now, I just want to be able to pray for you that that block that you can, that Jesus can be partnering with you in working through that. And that's going to take time. That's not instant. All right, anyone? Hands in the place. Yep. Yep. I reckon there's more here. How can you improve in your effectiveness at helping Jesus build the kingdom of God? Can I get those people to raise their hands again? I'm going to pray for you. Lord, Thank you, God, that you're a God that sees all things, Father. And to those with their hands up, Father, special anointing right now where they stand, Father. Lord, you can do a work, Father. Through our steps of faith, Father, you can do a work, Father, that a mustard seed can move a mountain because of who you are, God, because of your glory, Father, because of the power of your kingdom, Father. And so to those hands that are raised, God, I pray a special blessing. And to the hearts, Father, that are convicted where they stand, Father. Lord, we cast out shame in this place. We come against any shame or guilt or unworthiness, Father, or offense, Father. We come against any doubt, Father. We come against any worldliness, Father, or busyness, Father. And we say, Lord, Lord, we just, we come on our knees before you again, God. And we just say, God, we your church, Father, we want to see, we want to see your kingdom come, God. And we, we, we want to see ourselves getting out of the way and we want to see ourselves submitting, Father. We want to see ourselves forgiving, Father, increasing in grace, Father, increasing in commitment, Lord, making ourselves accountable, Father, to the leaders and to the calling, Father. Lord, we just pray, Father, yes, that this church, Lord, will be will build our strength, Father, in the worst of seasons, God. And we pray that we will rise up to meet this wave, Father. And we will rise up, Father, even in end times, Father, that the that the glory of um, the glory of the testimonies of your people, Father, will shine out, Father, and that we can be building a readiness in this place, Father. Yes, to impact the MacArthur. Yes, to welcome in the community as it comes with its needs, Father. And that yes, when we store up the food in this place, Father. It will be a spiritual food, Father. It will be a spiritual commitment, Lord. There will be a spiritual health in this place that we long to give out, that we've done the hard work, Father, that we've settled the nest, Father, and that we have stored up our riches, Father, in you, God. Only you can do this work, Lord, and I just pray, Father, that you will, I thank you, Father, that you are partnering with us in this, Lord. Give us the strategies, Father. Alert our senses, Father. Wake us up to prayer, Lord. Keep us praying, Father, through the night, Lord. Oh, we bless your holy name, Father. Amen.